0: Chapter Four of Workers Together. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Workers Together or An Endless Chain by Pansy. Chapter Four A Part of Baby's Mission. Miss Joy, said Dr. Everett, pausing before the door of the little sitting room, and holding it ajar while he talked, to indicate his haste, Are you posted as to whom we could ask to form a choir for duty at a funeral this afternoon? people connected with our Sabbath school, if we can. To sing at the funeral of that little baby? Why, I could be one. Thank you, said the doctor, and there was satisfaction in his voice. The promptness with which this girl came forward, always to do what she could, was a source of constant comfort to him. So much is settled, then. I fancy Miss Mason will play for us, especially if you ask her. As to bass. "'I can manage that. "'And doesn't Austin Barrows sing?' "'Quite well,' answered Miss Joy promptly. "'Mother has spoken of his voice several times. "'She thinks it could be cultivated into a fine tenor, "'but I doubt whether he could get away from the store.' "'He could manage that also,' the doctor said, "'and then he proceeded to question "'as to whether she would see Miss Mason about the playing, "'and then both remembered at once,' that in the poor little home there was no instrument to play. "'It is a relief in one way,' Miss Joy admitted frankly. "'I don't know Miss Mason, that is, I am just well enough acquainted to bow when I meet her, and she always bows as though that were as close an acquaintance as she desired.' "'In which respect Miss Joy Saunders fully agrees with her,' the doctor said, smiling gravely. Then he added, I wonder what you would think if I should tell you that I hope to see Miss Mason and yourself quite intimate friends before the season is over. I'm afraid I should think, if I did not say, that you were not very well acquainted with either of us. There was heightened color on Joy's cheek, but she said no more. Still I mean it, the doctor said, and his face was perfectly grave now. In proof thereof, I should be very glad if you would see her this afternoon and inquire into her plans for the class, whether she will have them meet at her home and take a carriage from thence, or whether she has some more convenient place of meeting. Dr. Everett, you understand a good many people, but you are evidently not acquainted with Miss Mason. So far from summoning her class to attend with her a little baby's funeral, I don't believe she will have the least idea of being there herself in that you wrong her. I assure you she will be there, and with her class. Did it ever occur to you, Miss Joy, that you might possibly wrong her in other judgments? In order to prove to yourself that you have misjudged her, it is your Christian duty to call there this afternoon, and take my message for me. Tell her, please, that I will have the carriage sent to whatever point she names. Miss Joy, I have a comforting assurance that you will do your duty. Good afternoon." with that he went closing the door after him and the small young woman whom he called miss joy was left alone in a somewhat perturbed state of mind that she did not relish the errand on which he had sent her was evident the truth was that joy saunders though of the same church with miss mason had never assimilated with her had told herself many a time with a firm little set of her shapely head that she had no desire to be on terms of intimacy with any such person. She is just the sort of person to look down on me, because my mother keeps a boarding-house, she had told herself in some heat, after being barely recognized one day by the lady in question. And I am just the sort of person to feel like looking down on her, because I have a few grains of common sense, and she hasn't. Joy Saunders was rarely so severe as this, but Miss Mason had heeded her. She sewed fast for a few minutes, not speaking even to her mother, who appeared just then with her arms full of towels to look over. This mother and daughter were very apt to have words to say to each other at every opportunity. The mother sorted her towels, watching furtively meantime, the pretty brown head bent over the sewing and waited for talk. "'Mother, this new friend of yours "'has a way of commanding people "'to go here and go there, "'just as though he expected "'to be obeyed.' "'Well,' said Mrs. Saunders, "'a commander isn't a bad sort of person "'if he only knows enough "'to command in the right direction, "'and most people who really are "'commanders by nature "'are apt to be obeyed. "'It is only your namby-pamby "'sort of folks who are forever "'complaining that people won't do "'as they want them to. "'Why?' What have you been commanded to do? He is not mamby-pamby at all, said Miss Joy, sewing faster. I should think not. What does he want of you? To call on Miss Mason this afternoon, and make some arrangements about that little child's funeral. Well, that doesn't seem to me a very extraordinary thing to do, inasmuch as you are a teacher in the same Sabbath school. It isn't very far to Miss Mason's, and it is a nice clear afternoon. I should think you would like the walk. I suppose the doctor is very busy. He is most of the time. Mother, I am not one of Miss Mason's calling acquaintances. She has never called on me since I came home, and when she meets me on the street, she treats me as though I were a little girl of ten. She doesn't think that I belong to the same social scale with herself. Nonsense! said Mrs. Saunders, that reminds me a little of the man who couldn't pull a drowning woman out of the water because he had never been introduced. Suppose Miss Mason isn't your intimate friend. Need that hinder your taking a message to her about a funeral? You belong to the same church, child. The sewing and the sorting went on in silence for a little after that. Neither person was, however, entirely absorbed in her work. Miss Saunders took care to put the blue-edged towels and the yellow-edged ones that were a little finer in sets by themselves, but she watched the glow on her daughter's face and speculated. He's touched the sore spot in her heart this afternoon. There's something more than a message to carry in this errand. He sees deeper than that. Joy has but one failing. I am not over and above anxious to have her intimate with Miss Mason, every one knows. "'but the glow on her cheeks when she meets her isn't a sign of grace. "'I wish she would rise above it, but I don't believe he can drive her. "'I never could, though a more obedient child than my joy was never born. "'This minute I could say to her, "'Joy Saunders, I'm ashamed of you. "'I want you to put up your sewing and go right over to Miss Mason on that errand. "'And she'd go and do it gently and pleasantly, too. "'But what would be the gain?' Taking folks' bodies to places doesn't amount to much. Then aloud, "'Well, I suppose the doctor thought you wouldn't mind doing a little errand for him on a pleasant afternoon, after all he has done for us. He couldn't be expected to know how you feel about Miss Mason. What is the message, child? I'll take it. I'd as soon as not. It makes no kind of difference to me whether she bows to the right side or the left, or doesn't bow at all when she meets me.' My respectability is beyond being affected by a bow. Joy, were there six or seven of these pink bordered towels in the wash? There were seven, mother. I gathered them from the rooms myself. Joy had risen, and was rolling up her sewing. When she had it carefully pinned, and laid in the basket beside the small gold thimble and her own blue needle-case, she came over to her mother, and stooping kissed her cheek. Mothery! she said using the quaint name that she kept for very special occasions i don't believe i ever shall be as good and sensible as you are but i'll try for it i'm going now to do that errand the dining-room of miss mason's home presented an unusual sight everywhere were flowers bright glowing flowers heaped in baskets on the chairs on the tables on every available place "'and Miss Mason herself was at work over them, "'fashioning reeds and crosses and stars. "'Who is it?' she asked of the girl who answered the bell. "'Miss Saunders, that little Joy, I suppose. "'Kate, just let her come into the dining-room. "'Perhaps she will help me with the flowers. "'There are so many of them, "'I feel as though I should never get them in order.' "'Oh, how beautiful!' was Joy's exclamation "'the moment her eyes caught sight of the flowers.' ''Aren't they?'' said Miss Mason, with animation. ''I haven't seen such a glow of color before this season. There are too many, I suppose, for this purpose, but the poor girl seemed so hungry for flowers, and the girls in the class, the moment they heard of it, were all eager to bring baskets. Miss Saunders, do you know how to shape a crown? I would like to make a crown of these lovely golden blossoms if I could.'' THE BABY IS CERTAINLY THE SWEETEST I HAVE EVER LOOKED ON. HE OUGHT TO BE CROWNED. YES, SAID JOY, DRAWING OFF HER GLOVES. I KNOW HOW. AND BEFORE EITHER REALIZED IT, THEY WERE AT WORK OVER THOSE FLOWERS AS THOUGH THEY HAD WORKED TOGETHER FOR WHOLE SEASONS. CERTAINLY THEY HAD ONE IDEA IN COMMON, A PASSIONATE LOVE FOR FLOWERS. AS SHE WORKED, JOY WONDERED WHETHER SHE REALLY COULD BE GROWING INTIMATE WITH MISS MASON. Meantime, Austin Barrows, for whom the proposed situation in one of the large stores had been secured, was not having a smooth time in his efforts to show his gratitude by doing just right. In fact, he was proving the truth of the time-honored statement that the way of transgressors is hard. A well-meaning boy himself, having a really honest desire to live at least in some degree according to the precepts of his mother— he had yet allowed himself to become interested in a class of young men who were constantly leading him in directions which his well-taught conscience told him were not the right ones not such as his mother would approve prominent among these who had gotten a strong influence over him was young robert parks a gay handsome good-hearted fellow with possibilities for true manhood of such a type as austin barrows could never reach who nevertheless seemed to be doing what he could to waste his life and make his influence tell strongly for satan over young barrows he had for weeks held the sort of control which a strong nature can secure over a weaker one and now that the young man felt the importance of breaking with him and standing on safer ground he found it hard to do it was with a face full of irresolution that he went about the store that afternoon Mechanically he attended to the calls at his counter for thread and tape and buttons, handing out often the wrong color or number or size, it is true, and wishing between times that he were anywhere else than at that counter, with its numberless articles to remember. The fault, however, lay not in the multitude of articles, but in the more important problem which he was trying to solve namely, whether he should join the gay company who were that evening to take a drive on the Bayville Road, and stop at the Bayville House for supper and a dance, and come home in the glorious moonlight. Nothing very objectionable in the programme, as Barrows had taught himself to look at these things, only he knew that it involved an expense that for him would be heavy, that the temptation, nay, almost the necessity, would be late hours, that there would be wine to drink, and that he would in all probability take sips of it, although he prided himself on his caution in these directions. But he would be sure to be heavy-eyed and weary of head the next morning, with a strong distaste for all the needles and tape and buttons in the store, and with harassing doubts all day as to how he should pay the debt it would be necessary to contract in order to meet his share of the expenses. The poor fly did not want to be caught in the net. At least he thought he didn't. All day he debated the question. He told himself that he wished the Bayville house were a hundred miles away instead of ten, precisely as though the whole trouble lay with the Bayville house. And as often as he thought of his mother sitting there in her high-backed, old-fashioned rocker, he was sure for five minutes at a time that he wouldn't go yet when the gay fellows who led the plan came in with their details, seeming to consider it as a matter of course that he would be glad to be one of their party, he had not the courage to say a word and do the right he knew so well. How could he, in fact? Hadn't they marked every step of the way for him, even to the selection of a companion for his carriage? You must take Delia Curtis Barrows. You remember which one she is, the one with the curly hair. She is as pretty as a witch, not in our set exactly. In fact, she has never been on one of these rides with us. Couldn't get around to invite her, you see, there are so many of them. But she will go fast enough, and you will find her first-class company, all the fellows like her. Parks would be glad to take her himself, but we told him he had got to let you have her this time. She was just your style.' This was intended as a compliment, and young Barrows tried to so consider it, albeit he winced a little, for he had not been very long away from his mother and the atmosphere of his early home, and had not yet grown accustomed to the careless handling of a young girl's name. So it was really somewhat against his will that he found himself at the door of the Curtis homestead that evening, preparing to invite Dahlia Curtis to join the party for Bayville. End of chapter 4 recording by Trisha G